0: I'm Foster, I'm founder of Tech Fixies. We help women return to work, change careers, start a business, and the whole month of October on our podcast, we are going to be talking about earning what you're worth. And I'm really excited about this topic. Uh, it's taken me a very, very long time to um, earn what I'm worth. And I want to tell you my story uh, as we kick off the series, um, because I'm going to be talking to women over the next four or five weeks about how they're, uh, getting them to tell their stories about how they got to a place where they started earning what they were worth. Um, And I think what you're gonna find in these stories is that there is a very common thread, uh, particularly with women, I'm not saying it's all women. Uh, For me, it's my experience, I am a woman. Um, I've worked with a lot of women. We've had over 3,000 women go through our free training. We've had over 500 women, well, by the time this is, um, this is on the podcast, we'll have over 500 women in our transformational program, so I I know a little bit about earning what you're worth, uh, particularly because I did not earn what I was worth for a very long time. So, um, here's my story uh, and how this relates. When I was uh, 21 years old and I left school, I I got a great, fantastic job in Boston, and I was earning, uh, at the time, something like, uh, I wanna say 23,000 um, dollars as a year as a research assistant. And, uh, and that was, you know, fine, because I was learning and I just moved up from an intern. And so I was really happy with that salary. Um, but then I got my series seven, which is a financial test that you take in the United States so that you can trade stock. And by just getting my series seven, I bumped up to um, a 43000 dollar a year salary which was also at the age of 21 was like incredible. That was a lot of money for me at the time and you know and I just you know it was amazing and I was really excited and I knew that this career was going to lead to let's say 400 to 700,000 a year so I felt like I was moving in the right direction. Let me go back. I I actually earned 32,000 so I went from 23 to 32. That was when I didn't have my Series 7. Got my series seven, switched companies, and I went up to forty three. Okay, so those are my first three salaries that I ever had, and 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 I was really happy with it. And so then I um, so then I get my series seven, and I'm earning forty three thousand. And then I get this letter through the post. Now this is very interesting because this doesn't happen very often. And I got a letter through the post, and it said, "We have evaluated the salaries of our company, and we've determined that women." In this role, are underpaid. Therefore, we're giving you um, a raise uh, of seven thousand dollars per year. So I went from forty-three thousand up to fifty-three or fifty thousand. So immediately, I got this raise. I hadn't done anything. Two things here. One, I was just happy making money. Like I didn't even know what a starting salary should be. It sounded like 50,000 or 43,000 was a lot of money to me. I mean, it really did. I was like, I'm only 21. That sounds like so much money. And so I I wasn't even aware of the fact that I was being underpaid. So I think the first thing that I want you to recognize in this story is awareness. I had no awareness, none. And okay, I was 21, so you could say, well, someone who's 21 doesn't have awareness because they're young, and it's true. I was young and I didn't have awareness. So one thing I would say when you're thinking about earning what you're worth is be aware of what the industry standard is. Like what is someone in the industry being paid, right? That's the first thing, you know? And obviously someone, some woman at the company that I was at at the time had worked out she was getting paid less than all the men. She filed a lawsuit. It wasn't me, but I benefited from that, right? Because she stood up and said, hang on, just because I'm a woman, I'm getting paid less. Why is that? And then they had to level up all the salaries, okay? And we know that this is true. We know that there is a gender pay gap, that women are paid less than men. It's a fact. It's not even... Something you can dispute. We've had all of these companies that have had to release the salaries, and so you can look up what your salary should be. So I think that's something to really understand is you know, is what the salaries are, what you can earn. Just really understand what you can earn, be aware of what you can earn. The next thing I would say is I never asked for a raise ever. I mean I've never like and in fact, i I quit that job and I went on a totally different trajectory, and that's a totally different story. But it ties into what we're talking about because once I no longer had a job where someone was telling me you're worth this, I had no concept of what I was worth and actually I went off and trained for the Olympics and I trained full time and actually like what's that worth right and um, you know and, and how do I earn money doing that. And so that's where you have to get sponsorship deals and you have to you know I worked at Home Depot. I was on the Olympic program because I was in the top 6 in the United States. I had a full-time job at Home Depot, but I worked part-time. That's kind of how it worked. That program doesn't work doesn't exist anymore, but it was a great program for me. I could do 20 hours of work during the week. I could train and then I was paid by Home Depot. So, my whole journey on what I was worth got a bit confusing, right? Cuz I was earning what someone would earn working behind the counter at Home Depot uh, but I was training for the Olympics and there is no like payment for that right so I had all my expenses covered I had you know I had all my trips covered I had all of my coaching covered those are things I wouldn't have been able to afford myself at the time because I wasn't working so that's that's how it went. Now, very interestingly enough, when the Home Depot job ended uh, and I stopped being on the United States archery team, I had to find a a way to fund myself. And of course, I hadn't worked for a couple years, so I had to go get a job again. Now, this this is where I like to say I took my first career break, right? So I took my first career break. It wasn't for babies, it was for archery. Um, And then I had to find a job. And interestingly enough, the last job I had, as you know, was 50,000 and um but i dropped out of that i dropped out i i i chose an archery over a financial career so i would have had to start at the bottom again and i would have had to retake my series seven and i would have had to do all that and i just didn't i wasn't interested in it and i was done with that career i decided that wasn't the career i wanted for me so my first job when i kind of went back to work was working for eight dollars an hour okay I can do the math really quick and I can tell you what $8 an hour is, but it's not a lot. So $8 an hour times 40 uh, hours a week uh, times 52 weeks, it was $16,640 a year. And I wasn't working full-time. I was only working part-time. Now, the job that I was doing was cold calling and I was in, in life insurance and I actually um, got really good at it and I learned that cold calling was a numbers game. Just like I tell a lot of my Tech pixies, online business is a numbers game, right? It's, it's all about getting in front of as many people as you can and then getting them to sign up to your mailing list and then getting them to sign up to your programs and it's all about the kind of conversions. You know, if a thousand people watch your video and then, you know, 200 people sign up you've got a uh you know a two percent conversion rate something like that or a twenty percent conversion rate i can't i can't do math right now but you all get what i'm saying so i learned very early on that cold calling was a numbers game and uh but eight dollars an hour i just i laugh at that now like i mean i know this was 20 years ago but still eight dollars an hour it didn't it's it's not a lot of money sixteen thousand dollars when i was making fifty thousand dollars And here's the thing. A lot of people look at what they're earning and then they they, they make that their worth. So internally, I've gone from 50,000 to 16,000 and I don't think I'm worth more, right? I don't, because I'm worth whatever someone's gonna pay me. So this is the other problem, is that you are not worth what someone else is going to pay you. You are worth what you believe you are worth. And I see this happen with women all the time. I see women, they'll take any job and they'll take any salary and they'll just because they're relieved to have the job. And in many ways, I was relieved to have the job. Did I do an extensive job search? No, I didn't. Did I really think what talents do I have to bring to the table? What things do I have to bring to the, to the, my, the employers? How could my archery experience, how could you know what? How could that translate? I didn't think about any of that. I was just like, I need money, I need a job. And what I did was I went back to an employer I had worked for before when I lived in Chicago. Um, I know I'm jumping around a lot here, but I had worked in, I lived in Chicago and I, I was doing archery in Chicago and I had a part-time job in Chicago working for this company. So I just went back to what I knew, right? How many times do we do that too? How many times do we go back to what we know? Um, how easy is it to go and get the local job where you know everybody in the community? It doesn't pay very well, but it's local and it's flexible and blah, 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 blah. So the second, so first thing is being aware of this. When I say being aware, being aware of what people are being paid in your industry. That's really important. The second thing is not letting other people decide what your worth is, but you deciding what your worth is, Right. And that comes from actually doing your research. That comes from actually knowing who you are. That comes from figuring out what your values are, what you like to do. And again, you could write this off to saying, okay, well, I was only 20, I don't know, I was probably like 26 at the time, right? 27 at the time. I didn't, I was, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that about myself. And I'd only ever worked in one previous job and then I had all these like random part-time jobs. You know, I'd worked at the church doing coffee and I'd worked at the Home Depot and I'd, you know, but but guys remember, ladies remember, I was very highly educated. I'd gone to the number one high school in America, the same high school that Mark Zuckerberg went to. I went to Skidmore College, which is where I. So it was one of the seven sisters um, Ivy League schools. When when the girl when the girls and the boys were separated, um, there were there were the Ivy Leagues, which were for the boys, and then there were the seven sister schools. And mine was one of the seven sister schools. So I went to literally one of the best universities as, as well in the U.S. And so I had a fantastic education. Right, I was very well educated, but because I had worked at Uh, in different jobs that didn't, I had, and because I had left my job, I felt like I don't have any value. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any, you know, no one's gonna pay me more than $8 an hour, and I was like, I'll just take that, yeah? Now, one of the things I did was I I excelled at that job, um, but I I learned very quickly that the best way to make money in that job was actually to become a licensed life insurance sales broker, and actually my vision, (laughs) I'm not joking about this. My vision was, um, when I did start to see that I was actually quite good at the job I was doing, which was the cold calling, I was like, okay, I'm gonna set up my own insurance brokerage. So I actually had a plan, I bought this car, it was this gorgeous, um, it, it was like a Hyundai Elantra, which of course in China is like, when I went I went to China, I'm jumping around a lot, I went to China for the Olympics in 2008, and, every taxi driver had a Hyundai Elantra which just cracked me up because i just bought that for my new job but let's track back here i had decided that i liked life insurance i was going to sell life insurance and i and i had decided that the best way to fast track my career in life insurance was to actually become a brokerage like what actually set up an office and that's what i was going to do i was going to be a be an uh, i was going to be a broker but i was going to be like a broker that set up an office with lots of people who worked for me that's what i wanted to do so I buy this Hyundai Elantra and my mom told me not to. She said, don't buy it, you're gonna to go to China, you're gonna come back, your life's gonna be changed and you know, you're, you're gonna wish you hadn't bought the car. Well, she was right. You should listen to your mother sometimes. She listens to this podcast, so she'll listen to that and she'll appreciate very much the sentiment. But what I did was I, I had this plan. That was my plan. I was gonna set up an insurance brokerage. But I think what the important part in that is that I'd made this decision to I I knew where I was being paid wasn't what I wanted to earn but I liked what I was doing and I could see people around me making really good salaries and so I knew that if I set up a brokerage I had the opportunity to make a couple hundred thousand a year like I could see that trajectory it wasn't the financial career where I could make 700,000 a year or at least I thought that at the time but it was something that I could make a couple hundred thousand a year I could own my own business and I could be my own boss and that's what I was excited about right because If you're an entrepreneur, being your own boss is a big value. And this goes back to your values. What do you value? What do you want? You know, I wanted freedom to make, um, make money. I did want that freedom. I always wanted that freedom. Um, but I didn't necessarily have the belief in myself that I could do it, but I wanted that freedom. I also grew up in a house where my parents were there. You know, they, we had meals together. We did stuff together. They were available. I had breakfast with my dad every morning. I had my dad and mom had dinner with us every night. Like I, you know, I, I saw my parents, they worked out of the house. They had financial freedom, but they also had time freedom. And that's what I wanted for myself. I wanted financial freedom and time freedom. So the way I thought I would do that was set up this brokerage. Well, guess what? Life throws its curves, right? And again, I had an opportunity. I went to China for the Olympics. I ran the Olympic news service for archery and I went to China thinking I'm going to come back, set up this insurance brokerage. That's literally what I thought I was going to do. And then guess what? I get to China. Some of you know this story. If you've never heard the story before, you're going to love it. I get to China. I reconnect with an old boyfriend, the true love of my life, the one that I'd always, the, the, the first person I'd ever fallen in love with, uh, the only person I ever wanted to marry. We'd broken up. We hadn't seen each other for seven years. We'd go to China. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this. We, we go to China, he's there coaching the Swiss team, I'm there working for the archery um, news service, and we go out for a date, and 10 days later, we're engaged, okay? 10 days later, we're engaged. My whole life changed. Now, how my mom knew that was gonna happen, I don't know, but she did. So listen to your mom. <laughs> most of the time. So I so I I come back from China and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, so I have to like quit my job and I have to, you know, I had just gotten licensed to move to- forwards in my brokerage, all that stuff. I was really excited about it. I had my new little car, which by the way, that car, I had to actually pay the dealer six months later to take it back because no one would buy it off me. So there's a lesson there, right? Um, anyway, Uh, let's let's move on from that point so here I find myself in I'm moving I had I had two weeks to move countries so I go back to the United States pack everything up sell everything and I move to Switzerland because that's where my husband was and what I want you to recognize here is there circumstances in my life that are changing okay a lot of you have circumstances in your life that change right for me it was Quitting my job to do the Olympics because I wasn't satisfied in my job and I had an opportunity to do it and I was excited about that opportunity. Um, that was the first career break, you know. Then the second career break was I'm actually engaged to someone who lives in a different country and I've got to change countries. And I was very fortunate um, because my um, my fiance, my now husband, fiance at the time, he's very well known in the Olympics. Uh, he's got a gold medal from winning the um, the Cox was for at the Sydney Olympics in 2000 with Steve Redgrave. They just celebrated last week their 20th anniversary, which is really exciting because it was in 2000 and obviously it's 2020. So I was fortunate in the sense that I was now marrying into a very well-known Olympian in the British community. So a lot of people knew who my husband was, Tim Foster. And so I could kind of leverage him a little bit in getting a job. And that's exactly what I did. So when I was in China, um, we went to the gold medalists um, ball or the gold medalist dinner or the reception or whatever for rowing, and I met the guy who was the head of all of the finances for the uh, London 2012 Olympics, and he was from Deloitte. And so um, I had struck up a good conversation with him, had a really great relationship with him, and he said, I'm sure I can help you get a job in Switzerland. So I was really, really lucky when I moved to Switzerland, I had lined up a job. And here's what it comes back down to, guys. I just took, I took that job because A, it fit with my life. B, it was very well paid. Uh, I think I was like, I went into that job at 80,000 francs a year. So already, you know, in my mind, I was moving towards my goal, my financial goal. And so here I am at 28, um, you know, I'm moving to Switzerland. I've nailed a job at least for six months and uh, actually ended up being about 10 months, you know, and so I, you know, everything's going in my way. I, but again, I didn't do, I didn't, I, at that point, I still wasn't thinking, what are my values? What do I care about? Like, it was more like, okay, I'll take whatever comes my way. And I was very lucky. I did maneuver that one, right? But it was, it was a tricky situation because I was in the marketing department and so I was doing stuff that I sort of knew about you know because I I had marketed myself as an archer I had marketed myself um, as you know I'd done life insurance I'd done real estate I'd done you know, there's a whole bunch of things I'd done I'd managed a few teams with the church where I was running the coffee and there's a lot of different like I was able to bring a lot of different things to the table so I was able to bring a lot of different experiences and I fortunately did get that job but again, I don't know. I mean, it just felt like, okay, that's the trajectory of my career. Now I'm getting paid really well. And I'm really excited about that. And you know, but I remember the first day at Deloitte in the office. I remember this very clearly. So I had been an athlete at that point for about since two. I left my job in 2003 and I started the Deloitte job in like 2008. And I will say one thing, is that for five years, I spent my entire day outside. For five years, I shot arrows every single day, like 500 arrows a day. I was in the gym. I was, you know, I was out in California. It was so gorgeous. As soon as I went into an office, it was like the death of me, right? I was like, this sucks. And the first day, I remember how bad that first day was. I was just like... I can't breathe in this office. There's no windows that are open. Like think about someone who's been outside every day for five years and then suddenly you're inside with circulated air. It was was like the worst thing for me possible. But circumstances needs must. I needed a job in order to stay in Switzerland because I had a work visa, et etc. So I'm not I'm so grateful for what I had. and it was a wonderful experience for learning German, for learning how um, a big corporation works for you know, being in that environment. But what I want you to to note here is I was still 28 and I still didn't know what my value was because I hadn't decided what I really wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was taking what came my way. I was fortunate in the fact that the thing that came my way continued me on my path. And then of course I did get married and then of course I had babies, and you guys all know that story if you've been following me for a while, when I got, um, I, I got married and the job at Deloitte ended and I went to go find a new job and I was I, with all the recruiters, and I was in a meeting with a recruiter and I said, look, um, what I, what's important to me is what the maternity policies are at this company. He stood me up, he walked me out of the room, and he said, I can't help you. And that was like a huge blow because it was like, oh my gosh, so having a child means no career. That's literally what happened in my head. And I was living in Switzerland. Anyone who lives in Switzerland or knows what it's like in Switzerland, women do take a back seat. It's, that's just the way it works. And if you go to work, you've gotta pay for someone to look after your children. And a child minder in, in Switzerland is like 60,000 a year. So what I thought was a great salary at 80,000 was actually just a little bit higher than what you'd get paid as a full-time carer for a child in Switzerland because the the salaries are so elevated in Switzerland. So, I was out of a job, and again, I thought, well, "What do I, do I go barmaid? Because like that's the one job I can get, you know, that's like temporary and whatever." And this went back to, "Hold on, Joy, you're highly educated, you know, you've trained for the Olympics, you've, you know, you've you've worked at Deloitte, you know." And so it, there was a part of me that was like. You know, not that there's anything wrong with bar mating, but there was part of me that was like, "No joy. Your value right now in your life is is not going and being a pregnant barmaid because that's not that's not your identity right now, and that's not what you're focused on." So that was a big part of my career where I was like, "Ah, what do I do now?" and that's when I started to look around me and start solving problems, okay? And that's when I was like, okay, there's got to be other women like me who don't have jobs who are so isolated at home with babies who in a country where they don't speak the language. Let me go find them. And so I created a Facebook group and we started answering lots of I started answering lots of questions about like where can I get an English speaking pediatrician? Where can I get an English speaking Um, orthodontist, um, where can I find a playgroup, where can I do a dance class, blah, 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 blah. So that's my, you know, and if you've heard my story or read my book, you you know that that's what I did. That was my first business. I set up a blog and I helped connect people to each other in the local community. Now here's where the value part comes in. I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to solve a problem. I didn't think that was worth something financially. I didn't think that the exchange of my energy was worth somebody paying for it. And it wasn't until my energy was so drained that I realized, oh my goodness, I've got to actually make some money from this if I'm gonna keep doing it, because I'm just pouring myself into it and there's nothing coming back. And it's not to say that you can't do something voluntarily for a long time and get a lot out of it, you can. But remember, there's a part of me that from a very young age still wanted a very good salary, I wanted time freedom and I wanted financial freedom. What I had was time freedom, but not financial freedom as an individual, right? So I was married, I had he had a great job and everything else. And this is what I really wanna hone in on because this is gonna be a conversation and a question I'm gonna ha- ask all of the ladies that I speak to in the next few weeks, okay? This is really, really important. So many of us, when we are married, and I know we have a lot of women in our community who are not married. I know we have a lot of women in our community who would like to leave their marriage because they're financially bound to it. And here's here's where this starts to matter because what happens to a woman when she gets married and she stops working is that she becomes financially dependent. And when you are financially dependent, you make decisions differently and you see your value differently. Do I regret taking time off to raise my children? No, not at all. Not at all. If I have one regret at all, it's that I didn't value my time away from my children while I started building my business enough to charge for it. That's what I, you know, that's what I don't, that's what I regret. And it's just, it took me such a long time to understand that the work I was doing was worth something and it took me a long time to figure out how to get it paid for, because I had this heart where I just wanted to help people. And I'm sure somebody listening to this is going, yep, she just spoke to me, right? She just spoke to me. I just want to help people. But what you don't realize is that, yes, you can, you can volunteer an hour a week, you could volunteer a day a week, you could volunteer a day a month, whatever you want to do, you could do volunteer work and you can get a heck of a lot out of it. But if you are choosing to put 20 30, 40 plus hours a week into something, there should be a financial return because if you were working for a job or someone else, there would be a financial return. And this is the the crazy thing about motherhood is no one pays you to be a mother. No one gives you a check, like here's your monthly mother check, (laughs) right? You don't get that. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, you get, you're used to not getting paid and you're like, well, I'm just helping. I'm just making the world a better place. I'm just, I'm just giving, 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 giving. So I am not anti-giving. I am not anti-volunteers. I have relied on volunteers to help me do things, but I am also fully aware of the fact that volunteering does not equal a career. Okay. That's not a career. Volunteering does not equal financial independence. So let's just wrap this up with what I want to really get to today. And that is that eventually, eventually, and I won't go through that whole story because that's a whole other podcast, but eventually that social enterprise that I set up in Lucerne helping people in, connect with each other in the local community, we ended up getting sponsorship for that. I ended up being able to build up a financial base on that. I never took the money myself, though. I I, I set it up as a charity in Switzerland. I let it go. Someone else took it over and then they moved forward with it. I personally got like one check at the end of that whole thing and it covered the expenses that I put into it. But it didn't cover the five years of blood, sweat, and hair. I like to say blood, sweat, and hair because I lost a patch of my hair building that business. Um, just being so stressed and tired because I had no help. And I, well, I had a lot of help. Let me, I don't want someone to listen to this and go, oh, she had no help. I had a lot of people helping me volunteering and who I was paying stipends to, to help me build the business, but I had no help at home. So I think this is the important part too, is I had no help at home, and the reason I had no help at home was because I couldn't justify like hiring someone to come in and kind of take care of the kids in the house so that I could work, because I wasn't making money, right? And it was really interesting, because my husband and I had a lot of conversations about this, and I said, look, I need help. I really need help, and and he he was not, he didn't really understand why I needed help, and didn't really want to support me in getting help. And it wasn't until really the hair fell out, and until I was so exhausted and broken that we, he kind of agreed to get me help. So, and and I just talked about this this week for our Tech Pixies. We have a in in the in the transformational program. I go live every Monday, and I talk about asking for help, and and I talk about you know saying to someone, this matters to me, I need help and, and I, can I you know can I rely on you not asking for permission to do something but saying, look I want to do this And really that's what I was good at. I was good at saying, this is what I care about, this is what I love and I, and then I finally was like I'm broken, I need help right And you don't want to ask for help when you're broken. you want to start asking for help before you're broken. When we finally did have help, it was like it was a game changer for me. I started sleeping better, my hair grew back, you know and all that good stuff. Then the conversation became, right, Joy, I'm paying for someone to come and help you. You actually need to earn, you know, you need to earn some money. And my husband was right in challenging me to say, why are you working for free when you, you know, you're you're working. You're not, this isn't a volunteer thing. This is your obsession. This is your life. So it took me a long time to figure out all of that. And I think one of the reasons that I teach this course, the Social Media Magic course, but one of the reasons I do this pod- podcast, oh, I can't lose my voice, one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I wanna see you move through the pain that I move through faster. I want you to have less pain. I wanna be able to say to you, do not volunteer your time for five years, maybe five weeks, but then figure out how to get paid, figure it out. Everything is figure outable. I wish I'd had that phrase, Marie Forleo, what a hero. I wish I'd had that book 10 years ago. I would have figured it out a lot faster. And sometimes all you need is someone to say, figure it out, it's figure outable. you can make money. Figure it out, right? Sometimes that's all you need to hear. And then you just go, okay, I can figure this out. And, and it goes back to like, I don't know how to make money. Well, I don't know how to make money yet. Right? I don't know how to make money yet. And that's when your brain starts going, okay, how do I figure out how to make money? How do I figure out how to make money? Okay. Now, I'll admit I set up the next company and I had all the same problems. I, I didn't value my time, I didn't charge enough, I didn't realize that you should charge a margin. I didn't know any of that. So I joined a business club and I, I had business advisors, and one of the best advisors I had was a, 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 a my who's now my accountant. He said to me, Joy, what are you charging per hour? And I was like, well, I'm charging like 15 pounds an hour or 30 pounds an hour. No, 15 pounds an hour. He's like, you can't pay anyone at 15 pounds an hour. I was like, oh, I know. I'm not paying anyone. And he said, no, if you want to build your business, you're going to have to hire people. There's no way you can hire people at, you know, and, and work too at 15 pounds an hour. So what he helped me to learn how to do, and I, this is what I say to all of the people who want to set up their own businesses, and we have a lot of people who want to set up their own businesses at TechPixies, you need to build in a margin. That's what he told me, and it was the best advice I ever got. So what I did was I immediately raised the senior prices to 50 pounds an hour and the junior prices to 25 pounds an hour. So what that meant was that for every hour that a junior person worked for me, I earned 10 pounds and the junior person earned 15 pounds. They were earning 1250. So they earned 1250 and I earned 1250 for every hour that they worked. And then I paid myself, I think like 15 pounds an hour and the company was earning 50 pounds an hour for me. So I had margin to pay for the website, to um, have a business partner, to um, you know to to invest in the things i need to to invest in i mean everyone knows if there's there's businesses have investments an accountant i had to pay for an accountant so you can't just charge if you're going to set up as a freelancer or you're going to set up as a business you can't just charge your hourly rate you have to charge your hourly rate and then some how do you come up with this well you work out how much money you want to take home at the end of the year you work out how much everything's gonna cost you, and you build in a margin for being able to hire people to help you, and then you, you know, and then basically that's your hourly rate. So when I started invoicing 25 pounds and 50 pounds an hour for my company, all of a sudden, I had the ability to have a steady paycheck. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was something, right? And, and prior to that, I had nothing. So you know, I had an advisor who helped me get there, now it's been really interesting with the Tech Pixie journey, and I'm gonna I'll finish on that because um, I want to keep these relatively short, um, not not an hour long. We're gonna try and shorten the podcast up a little bit, um, but with Tech Pixies, the journey has been very interesting because I will tell you one of the things that shifted for me was after building two businesses with a lot of pain in figuring out how to make money. I decided that I wouldn't even venture down the path of Tech Pixies unless I could figure out how to pay myself from day one. Now this is very interesting and it also tells you why I built the business the way I built the business. So I went for a grant and I got a grant from the Oxfordshire, um, it was the Better, Bo- Better Broadband for Oxfordshire which was funded by the Oxfordshire County Council out of a grant that they got from the Government Equalities office. So, here's the tricky bit in here, and this is what I want you to know. I had an idea. I wanted to help women upskill with social media in order to return to work change. Well, at the time it was just to return to work. And it wasn't just social media, it was digital marketing. It was like, I wanted to give people digital marketing skills so they could go back to work. And I wanted specifically to work with women because I could see a gap there. I could see a problem there. And what's so great is that I I had this urge to, call someone to tell them about this idea. Now those of you who are in the book club you guys know we had a private call with Jennifer Allwood who wrote the book Fear is Not the Boss of You. Such a powerful call and one of the questions that people said was how do you know when God's talking to you and how do you know when you're talking to you and she said now I pay a lot more attention to all those little things all those little nudges that are always in my favor. So that's what happened to me. I had this I had this idea and then I had this nudge and the nudge was call this person. His name is Tony. Call Tony. So I pick up the phone. I call Tony and I said, Tony, I really want to do this. This is my idea. And he said, joy, apply for this fund. There's money there. I'm sure you'll get some. And that's when I applied for 16,000 pounds for tech pixies. So I had 16,000 pounds to start tech pixies. Now, here's the best part, and this is where I made the biggest mistake, and hopefully this is where you guys are gonna go, boom, Joy had imposter syndrome too. Because you look at where I am now, and you look at the business, and you look at, you know, we've survived five years, we've raised 150,000, you know, we've helped 500 women, we've got three more than 3,000 women through our free training program, you know, and by the time you are listening to this, we've probably helped 5,000 women through our free training program. But the point is, Here's what happened when I I raised that 16,000 pounds and I could have paid myself a very good salary to run the program, and guess what I did? Guess what I did? I hired someone else to teach the social media part of the program, or the marketing part of the program, not the social media, but the marketing part, like the marketing foundations part of the program because I had imposter syndrome because I didn't believe I could create the curriculum. Now, this stems from the fact that when I actually got the funding, I had, I got the funding on the basis that another organization was going to do the social media training. They backed out. I had to go find someone else because I did not believe I had the skills. I did not believe I was good enough. This is so important for you to hear because I only believed that I was good enough to get paid the project fee for connecting the women to the social media program and then hiring a life coach to do life coaching. I kid you not, That was I was like, this is what I'm getting paid for is the project management. I'm not gonna teach social media, I'm not gonna do life coaching, I'm just gonna connect people and that's what I'm gonna get paid for. And it was when this person that I hired, and I apologize if you're listening to this, I doubt he will be, but I hired him to do the first four sessions of the, tech, the very first Tech Fixies program and I sat there. First of all, I hired him because he convinced me that he was the bee's knees and that he'd worked on all of these major marketing projects for all these major marketing brands, blah, 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 literally blah, 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 blah. blah. He said, I'm gonna do you a huge favor and instead of charging 2,000 pounds a day, I'm only gonna charge you 1,000 pounds a day. So I gave him I had a 16,000 pound budget, remember? I gave him, I think at least 4,000 of that to run four days. Now, I'm not gonna lie, the project took us five months. He got 4,000 pounds for four days because he knew his value and he convinced me of his value and I bought into it because I was an imposter in my own self because I didn't believe that I could do it. And I sat there for those first four sessions and I listened to him and I thought, I've just ripped up 4,000 pounds and threw it in the trash. I just, he wasn't bad, he knew what he was talking about, but he didn't know what I knew. He wasn't me. He couldn't present the way I could present. He didn't know the problems, amen to that. He didn't know what it was like to be the woman who's financially dependent, who's raising the kids and also trying to do the thing, all the things. He didn't get it. He didn't know it. And I immediately knew, immediately knew I was not an imposter, but it took me paying someone else 4,000 pounds, which could have gone into my pocket to work out that I wasn't actually an imposter, that I actually knew what I what I was talking about. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to step into this place and I'm going to do this. And it was a really hard lesson for me, a really hard lesson, like like really hard. I I That was like the a lot of money to lose, you know? And it really, it really, it really, it really hurt me. And I was really mad at myself for a long time. I wasn't mad at him. I was not mad at him. I was mad at myself. Because it was entirely down to me not believing that I could do something. And just to carry on with the, the Tech pixies journey, it was it was tough going. As soon as we didn't have the grant money, I then had to apply for more grant money. And I then had to figure out how to charge women. And this is what's really important. I had a thought, and everyone needs to pay attention to the thought, I had a thought that women who are not working don't um, have the money to invest in themselves or can't justify investing in themselves, and that's not true. But that was my thought, that was my perception. So when I first started charging for Tech Pixies, even though at that point I knew what I was talking about, I knew it it worked, we had 12 women in in our very first program and the success rate was phenomenal, I still, was very tentative about charging. In fact, the very next cohort, cohort number two, I paid them more than they paid me to do the program. I was still not sure that it was it was really gonna work. And of course, it did work for them too. And they're, you know, I know they're doing well. And then cohort three and cohort four and cohort five and cohort six, and very slowly I started to charge more and more because I could tell that it was, you know, I could tell that the value was there and I felt confident in the value. But I want you to know it took me several years to get to where I am still. Now, this is very interesting because we now know our program works. The, the, the success rate is phenomenal. The, the number of women who are able to return to work, change careers, start a business, the number of women who don't even finish the first six weeks before they've already got a job is incredible. We have people getting jobs in the middle of doing their course. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to do. And, and I love my job and I love what I do. I also know it's worth the ticket. It's worth the price of entry now because I see the success and I know that women who do the work and who put themselves out there and who work on themselves and they overcome their imposter syndrome And they become the person that they've always wanted to become, who command the prices that they should have always been commanding. Once they get into that rhythm and rhyme, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see happen. And I've done it so many times now. I've seen hundreds of women, this changes their lives. I go, it's worth it. I'm worth it. The ticket, the price of entry is worth it. And it's just beautiful to be in a community where people know they're investing in themselves, that people know that they will eventually get there because they're taking steps forwards. And I am proud of the work I do. I am proud of the price I charge. I am proud of the results that we get. I'm proud of every woman who comes in our doors and says, I'm gonna work my butt off to become the person I wanna become to get that financial independence, to be who I am meant to be. That's what matters to me. That's what matters to me. And am I in a beautiful place right now for me? Yes, I am. And is my life's work coming together? Yes, it is. And am I starting to feel time freedom and financial freedom? Yes, I am. And I want that for you too. And I'm getting closer every day to that person that I always thought I was going to be. It just feels like it's taken 20 years to get there. And all I want to say on this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this podcast live, which we do film them live, and then they go into the podcast later. If you're listening to this, or if you're watching this, I want you to know that as long as you are moving forwards, As long as you are investing in yourself, as long as you are tackling the inner thoughts about imposter syndrome, about I'm not good enough, and all that good, all that stuff, all the baggage, as long as you are putting one foot in front of the other every day, and as long as you are moving one step closer and tackling those inner thoughts and changing your perspective, you're going to be okay. And I just want to tell you that the more you work on those steps, and the more you work on the internal thoughts, the faster you're going to accelerate. And the faster you're going to get closer to who that person is. And that's really important. It's all in the journey. It's not about the result. It's about who you become on the way to getting to the result. About that journey. About what you think internally. About where you think you're going. And all I can say is with my vast experience of taking four freaking ever to get from point A to point B is that if I had known what I know now about the brain and about the internal dialogue that you tell yourself and about how important it is to speak up about your fears and your worries and your anxieties so that you can start to work on them and tackle them and push them out of the way so you can get the new thoughts in front of you and you can get the new direction in front of you. If I had known that stuff 20 years ago, I would be in a different place now. And I can tell you the acceleration happens as soon as you start investing in yourself, as soon as you start working on the internal dialogue. So earn what you're worth is the October series. And it's really, we're going to talk, we're going to talk to women who've made it made it even more than I have. I mean, if you think I've made it, wait till you hear some of these women that we're going to talk to. And they're going to tell you a lot of the same things I just told you, that they had to overcome the internal dialogue to become the person they wanted to be. They had to make decisions out of their future self rather than out of their current self in order to become the person that they wanted to be. So if you are in a place where you are not earning what you are worth yet, and you don't know what your worth is yet, hang in for this series. You are going to absolutely love it. And uh, I've I've just, it's something I wanted to talk about for a long time and if I'm being honest, I couldn't talk about it because I wasn't there yet. And now I am. So hopefully I can move forwards and be the guide into this new world and me and my girlfriends who I'm gonna talk to the next few weeks, they're gonna help you to get to the place where you are earning what you're worth too. So I hope wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you have a wonderful day, and I thank you so much for lending your time to me.